Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and welcome to episode 71 of Cage Rage, a Nicholas Cage podcast. It's the podcast in which I, your humble host and guide, Daryl Edge, take you, the listener, on the journey to true Cage Nirvana. What is that? Well, it's simply the highest, most spiritual, emotional, pure, amazing, real form of being that you could achieve, only possible by watching all of the films that Nicholas Cage has ever been in, and maybe we'll learn a little bit more about him and about ourselves on the way. How have you been? Hope you've been good. It's We're well into October, we're into the spooky months, and with an uh, appropriately spooky episode this week, a little early Halloween treat for you in 2015's Spooktacular Pay the Ghost, Um, and I've had the pleasure to be joined by Josh Pappenheim from the Truly Happily Madison podcast on this one. Um, I've hopped over to that podcast a little while ago to talk all about Bucky Larson, Born to Be a Star. Uh, co-host Jack Gregson joined me previously on this podcast to talk about Kickass, and now we're completing that back and forth trifecta with Josh over here in one of the most uh, foreshadowed guestings in podcasting history. Uh, so this was a tremendous amount of fun to record this one. Um, we talk all about dud internet movie database trivia, the unintentionally hilarious scenes in this film, um, vultures, and also we pitch a campaign for the mayor of New York um, of how to be anti-vulture if he wants to win his city back. Um, so just before we get into this one, um, you can find me on all the following social medias, in all the usual places that you find your social medias, on Twitter, at cage underscore podcast, from my Instagram, at cage rage pod, and you can find me in all the usual platforms in which you get your podcasts, so Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, Deezer, iHeartRadio, uh, tuned in Podchaser. But if it's any of the places where you can leave a rating, please do. It's very, very helpful, very, very nicely received, and helps the podcast grow. Uh, and between all of that, hopefully you'll find a platform to your liking and choosing. Let's get right into this one. It's episode 71. It's Paid the Ghost, Daryl Edge, Josh Alpenheim. Duh. It's time for 2015 to get a wee bit spooky this week with a supernatural horror film, Pay the Ghost. This week, Cage plays Mike Lawford, a professor searching for his son who had been abducted during a Halloween carnival. Joining me on the journey to true Cage Nirvana to see if Pay the Ghost should have its debts forgiven or if this spookster is going to bankrupt us all is one half of the Truly Happily Madison podcast. It's Josh Pappenheim. Josh, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm good, thanks, man. How are you getting on? 
I'm not bad. Uh, just, you know, what we talked about off podcast, um, <laughs> off, off record aside, that stays between us because I don't want yeah. to get into a bloody dispute. That's a secret. Um, That's a good secret. <laughs> these are these are the domestic, boring, everyday secrets of a white working <laughs> class man. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, uh, so to kick things off, um, now obviously listeners, you may recognise the name truly happily, Madison. I had your co-host uh, Jack on a little while ago to talk about Kickass, then I jumped over to your podcast to talk about Bucky Larson, um, and now With, uh, Gary. Was it Gary? Is that the name of the good guy? The uh, guy the Gary good the character. Gary the great. With the man. grapes. The great man. <laughs> Gary the Grape Man Grapestofferson from Grapeston, Tennessee Grape. Um, Do you know what? Thinking about it, that probably is like the closest um, performance anyone's done to what a Nicolas Cage performance would be in that kind of Sander film. Do you know what I mean? So it feels natural we both gravitated, or all of us, I think all of us gravitated towards him. It was the only possible natural. character. It's it was only natural. We, we needed a fucking uh, grape vibe. <laughs> to, really, to really kick us in the dicks and uh, yeah, exactly. get this thing motoring. But I think I was thinking as well, I think between my episode of Kick-Ass, our episode on Bucky Larson, in both those episodes, it was foreshadowed, basically, that you would join here. And now it's <laughs> and now it's happened. I think it's the only time That's that um, there's been a pre-podcast and cross-promotional podcast <laughs> foreshadowing. It's um, <laughs> incredible, yeah. It's a cinematic um, universe of pods, <laughs> all conspiring, all leading to this one moment. Your Avengers Infinity War, it's pay the ghost. <laughs> it's the PCU, which sounds very smelly. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds yeah, very, very cream. smelly, indeed. You need a cream yeah, for yeah. your PCU. Yeah. Um, but I know sort of Jack hinted at this, and it was sort of hinted before, and obviously we'll get into a few cageisms, but... It, it mm. came across to me at least like perhaps you've had a history with uh, with Pay the Ghost. And it's finally <laughs> time, a year later or however long it's been, to dive into this and get to the bottom of Pay the Ghost and Josh Pappenheim. Um, I mean, it's not it's not much of a story. First off, I want to I didn't say it earlier, but I want to say thank you so much for having me on to talk about this this wonderful film. Um yeah, my history with it, I can't like Jack has a story. Jack has more of a story about me in this film than I do because I don't fucking remember anything. That is that's <laughs> the common theme in our podcast. I have no memory. I have no mind. But he said that. So I I remember I went and saw this film at a press screening in October. I looked up the date on Letterboxd. It was October twenty third, twenty fifteen. And I don't remember who I saw it with, but apparently I was supposed to be doing something with Jack that night and blew him off because I was like, I've got to go, I've got to go see the new Nicolas Cage film. I think maybe I won like a ticket because I was thinking about what the what I was working on at the time and I think I was at BBC3 doing social. So I don't know why I would have been there if I hadn't have won a ticket. I must have like tweeted somewhat anyway. But yeah, and I went and saw this being like, here we go. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Nicolas Cage, this will be good. Or at least it'll be deranged. And um, yeah, I mean, we'll get to it. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it's not, it's not, I'm looking at, so yeah, I was looking at my letterboxed earlier for how many Nicolas Cage films I've seen. He's my third 
most seen actor behind Adam Sandler at 40 films, obviously. Naturally. Shemi at 27, uh, which is interesting. I think that, again, is purely happy, happy medicine <laughs> driven. And Nicolas Cage, third, 26 films. Ooh. He's uh, nothing compared to you, I'm imagining at this point. <laughs> I mean, including ones that haven't been edited and put up yet. I think I'm on around <laughs> 75 to 80 films. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, I'm seeing this through. I'm seeing this fucking through. <laughs> I can't. Um, I'm so in awe. You know, like we were talking slightly earlier off, off mic about like, I'm feeling hard done by coming up to 50 films, 50 Adam Sandler films. But, <laughs> my God, how many more have you got to go? Um, numbers that you know they're just concepts. <laughs> you know. They are. It's true. It'll be done when it's done, right? <laughs> it's it's done when it's done. It's I done when it's done. You know, I mean, literally on, on the point of recording, I should say today is September thirteenth, and then mm. tomorrow in recording time is September fourteenth, and tomorrow I turn the big three zero. So <gasps> I'm, I'm going into my thirties, and this isn't done. I'm still. <laughs> I'm still. <laughs> I'm still oh fucking still fucking hammering away. And then I my ideal podcasting future is that, you know, after Nicolas Cage, I'm gonna move on to Willem Dafoe. Um mm. so just one lunatic to the next. Um That's much um, nicer. But you got a nice crossover with what is it, Dog Eat Dog? Is that what that's called? Uh Dog Eat Dog. Um Wild at Heart he was in as well. So the oh, yeah, of course. Little bit of crossover in there. I suppose it's Steve mm. Buscemi as well. He's been in a cage film or two. He's been in um Zandali and Conair. Yeah. Uh, Zandali, he was just a man who rode around on like bin trucks. Saying like <laughs> he just said stuff like Shabba da doo. Um it didn't oh say Shabba da doo, but he might have said, <laughs> said Shabba da <laughs> Um sounds very similar to his performance in Big Daddy as well. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, amazing. Happy birthday, man, for tomorrow. Thank you. I mean, by the time this episode comes out, old news, old news. You'll be, just, you'll be just 35. Like, <laughs> just like me, old news. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah. So, so this is where we are, going into our, going into the 30s, uh, still talking about Cage. Um, I think my friends have accepted, like, this podcast isn't a joke now. I'm really into <laughs> it. <laughs> well like 70 episodes through like 64 episodes are like nah he's gonna give it up soon this is a childish folly but no (laughs) still going at 66 episodes like this fucking cuck loser (laughs) watching his wife get plowed by other podcasts (laughs) (laughs) my my wife's with her boyfriend while i am recording the pods talking about god yeah 2015. Putting Gabagool on the table, baby. <laughs> uh, I think this, yeah. I, I'm trying to think my podcasting achievements. It's really weird. Like, I got just the most random text from like Acast, who I use as my host provider. And they were like, mm. like we're going to pay you £8.80. And I was like, oh, finally. It's, it's only taken a year and a bit. I'm finally making wave. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, you're a professional now. I know. This you can is... put that on your tax return. <laughs> Professional oh, no. podcaster. I've just oh yeah, to the tax man. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> fucked. You're <laughs> fucked. You're gonna get fined as shit. Oh, oh my god. god, throw me in jail. I've not got much else on to be honest. <laughs> um, you can run the film night. 
the prison film that is like, I swear to God, like Prisoner 315888, if it's Cage again. Gonna... <laughs> Don't worry, it's not this time. It's a different guy. No, it's, it's Cage. Uh, it's, it's Mickey Page. Nicholas yeah. Page. <laughs> <laughs> it's Horse Rider. We're, we're in prison. We'll take what we can get, right? Exactly, man. Like, uh, can't be Jesus. <laughs> now, sort of um, violent prison tangents aside, <laughs> um, <laughs> I always like asking guests on the podcast, you know, um, your your take on Cage, you know, where, mm. do, you, where do you stand with the rate, hate, tolerate? Uh, where does Cage sort of level up for you in the pantheon of, uh, of acting? Uh, I mean, like, in a word, love him. Well, that's not a word, that's two. But, you know, like, I love the Matt. I love him. He's incredible. You know, it goes back to... I'm trying to think what the first possible film I would have seen him in is. And I think it comes back to when I was sort of early teens. And, you know, that kind of time where everyone's having, like, house parties. And it's like, there's, like, a little bit of, like, some Bacardi breezes. A little bit of weed <laughs> floating around. And then everyone gets a bit too excited. And they're like, what are we going to do? And then you just go, you know, someone just goes, oh, have you seen Con Air? Mm-hmm. I go, I don't know what that is. I think you've misspelled air conditioning. And they go, no, <laughs> it's a great film. Here we go, Cyrus the Virus. You sit down, you watch it, and you're just like, what the fuck? This is, yes. this is art. This is unparalleled <laughs> art. And then I think it's like, a, it's like a gateway drug, right? And it takes you into, you know, the rock sort of is up in that, that kind of area, like those big overblown action-y things. And then as you get older, you're kind of like, okay, it's Sunday afternoon. I'm a bit hungover. National Treasure time. Mm-hmm. National Treasure 2, Book of Secrets. And then, yeah, I don't know. Like, I love the man. Obviously, I haven't kept up with his career as much as you have other people on this, <laughs> other people hosting this <laughs> podcast have. But, you know, I've watched... I've watched my fair share of his good stuff, like ones that I really enjoy, you know, recently Willy's Wonderland, love that. Wild at Heart is one of my all-time faves. I really rate 8mm, but yeah. I, like, I really, really enjoy that film. Um, Lord of War, Weatherman I enjoyed, Mandy. Uh, right down to, you know, watching things like the Wicker Man, The Frozen Ground, I think I watched last year at some point. Next, Left Behind. And <clears throat> what I think is the worst that I've seen so far, Inconceivable, which <laughs> I'm sure you're coming up to soon, right? Uh, that is looming. Inconceivable <laughs> is, is, is looming. Uh, like at, at the point of recording now, I'm sort of in the midst of well, editing the 2014, which is arguably mm. his worst year committed to cinema. Um, oh 2015, meh, because there's only two films. 2016, 17, then we're getting hog deep in some absolute fart <laughs> again, yes. which I'm really I'm excited looking. for. Yeah, man, I'm excited to listen because I'm just looking at what, you, <laughs> what you've got coming up. Fuck, man. Yeah, it's not going to be good until oh. you get... Oh, no, there's a lot, isn't there? There's a lot. Yes, okay. so much. Good, good. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I love him. I think the worst thing you can say about him, about, you know, all those lower rated films, the worst thing you can say is that he's just, he's he's too normal in those films. He just doesn't, he's not trying. He's just doing a guy. 
Whereas in all the other films, like good or bad, he's like, he's always watchable. He's always charismatic and is always doing something like you probably wouldn't think the role would call for <laughs> or incredible line delivery. Um, so he's always, he's always the best thing on screen, or at least usually, apart from maybe Wild at Heart, because like Laura Dern and Willem Dafoe, also, like that film is just perfect. Like everyone is doing something. But in most other films, he is, he's your boy, right? <laughs> he's your boy. He's the one you look at. He's, he's the man I've been calling the golden hog for a good year plus <laughs> now. The golden hog of Hollywood. It's well-deserved. It's a well-deserved title that only yeah. I use. Um, <laughs> I've, I've tried to make it catch on. It just doesn't. But I'm so I'm too deep in the bit now that, yeah, yeah. that I have to commit to it. I have um, to keep going. Make it a thing. I'm going to call him golden hog now, in your honour. <laughs> boy, yes. golden hog. Yes. <laughs> Um, hashtag oink golden oink. I don't know. That's not. I, I, I didn't believe in that at all. It's very good. Also feels like a pay pig thing. I don't know. We don't want to go down that road. <laughs> and I am the pig that pays for his film because <laughs> I, I rented Pay the Ghost on a Amazon Prime. So I Fuck imagine like too. someone was like, two people have rented Pay the Ghost today. What is what is going on? We just made five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> this piece of shit uh spoilers <laughs> but yeah i, th- I think oh. it's hit the nail on the head though just saying he's he's you know he is memorable he's always the most memorable thing about a film whether it's a cage film or not um i was, <laughs> I was trying to find some interesting tidbits and it's always difficult for things like this when the when this was the um i think the height of like the straight to cage straight to dvd cage film this was mm. sort of up there so it, when when even IMDb doesn't have a lot to sort of chew on, I sort of um, selected two IMDb facts here. Like one of them is actually a little like a little bit interesting, arguably. Mm. On one of them, and you know, like on IMDb facts, which just someone's just gone on there and made the fucking weakest, most tangential. <laughs> so the one I'll start with, and listener, like this is like a spoiler for the film's a bit pre-warned. Um, oh, here we go. So obviously, a, a very quick um, overview. Um, there's a bad ghost uh, napping them kids. They put the kid in kidnap. Um, So the ghost is called Annie, and they've said, if Annie, the ghost, kidnapped three children per year from Halloween 1680, the first year after she and her children were slain in 79, to 2050 when the film takes place, she has captured 1,005 children. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) the New York police... Did not see a link. Now, the second one, which is like, oh, fuck off. Um, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, we've got Sarah Wayne Callis in this film, um, yeah. who you may know from like Prison Break and The Walking Dead and other such things. It says, and I quote, uh, Sarah plays Dr. Sarah Tancredi in Prison Break in 2005. She is the love interest of Michael Schofield. For this film, she plays wife of another character named Michael. Brackets, cage brackets. Um, and the best part... <laughs> Eight out of 107 people found that interesting. <laughs> what? <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, yeah, film ties. I love trivia. She, she's dated two people called Michael in fiction. Good. Trivia is my passion. Um, yeah. So. Do you know what? It's going to come up one day on, like, University Challenge, though. Sarah Wayne Callies has dated two characters called Michael. Name the two properties. You're going to know. Yeah, I'm going to be the only brain-damaged idiot at home <laughs> shouting at oh, 
what's his face? Who's the host of it? Um, Pax Man. Pa- Paxman. Paxman. What? I thought Paxton. his name was Paxman. Paxman. <laughs> I thought his name was. For some reason, in my head, he was like John Pancreas. Yes. <laughs> John dog. Pancreas. John Pancreas, of course, from shows <laughs> from shows like Kung Fu. I don't know. Yeah, um, it's a very taste of like, London. That <laughs> Sarah plays Doctor Sarah Tancredian Prison Break. <laughs> She's dated Michael. Who else has she been in? Answer the question. <laughs> that, that's my best John Pancreas impression. Is just, it's you very just good. You just shout answer the question at people. Yeah, um, over and over again. Done. <laughs> over and over again. Um, so pay the ghost, sort of looking mm. at this now. Now this is, you know, we're in we're about 70 or so films into Cage's career now. And this is the first, air quotes, straight up horror close air quotes that Cage mm. has done um, I found an interview when he said that the genre had always fascinated him and it's one that he'd been trying to break into for a while he would have done more earlier in his career if he could have um, and then he also added that Pay the Ghost being his first horror film was a coincidence nothing to do with the fact that he was in massive debt at the time and that he believes horror <laughs> is the outlaw of Hollywood um, Right, yeah. which I definitely feel is a name he's given himself at some venture <laughs> as well. I mean, yeah, it vibes up with his costume in this film where he runs around frantically dressed as a cowboy. It's this is his, as, his vibe. A cowboy as uh, with an ice cream and rainbow spray gauze in his hand. <laughs> Charlie! 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 <laughs> it made me, oh my God. It made me think of like the PS3 game, the classic Heavy Rain, where it's, um, he's, mm. shouting for his, he's shouting for his boy like, John! John! It's like press X to Charlie in this. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Fuck, that's so true. Oh my god, can you imagine? Uh, what's the name of the guy who makes Heavy Rain? What's his? Uh, that Detroit Become Human game as well. I can't remember. But just imagine, imagine a game of Pay the Ghost where it is like this, just uh, wandering around from place to place, inconsequentially finding out about weird Celtic witch law. <laughs> That is such like a heavy rain twist, though. Like, yeah. I think this game, this was just the live action adaptation of Heavy Rain, but it just said, like, we'll just get weird with it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the designer, the designer of Heavy Rain, David hmm. Cage. Hmm. David Cage, that's his name? Fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. That must be related, surely. Of course, of course. Of course. You think if this isn't the like an Illuminati, you know, this is the, <laughs> the pagan symbols on the wall. This is this is like pay the cage. Yeah, it's the Rosetta Stone for just weird, unhinged media. It's the Rosetta Perfect. Stone for the mentally ill, and I'm subscribing. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect annual. Oh God, yeah, this film. Hmm. So I mean. It's been for you, this being hopefully a bit fresher in your mind this time round, the second time you've seen it. On a second viewing, um, <laughs> how, how I say how, did this film hold up? Was it was there any nostalgia here for you? He asked ambitiously, he swung for the fences. <laughs> second strike. Um the oh, there could have been nostalgia. No, I don't I didn't remember this film at all. I remembered him in the carnival. In my head, the whole film took place in the carnival. I forgot about the year 
the carnival happens, then a whole year goes by. But no, I remember it being when I first saw it, I remember going in and being like, oh, this will be this will be great. It'll be like it's a horror film with Nick Cage. How much screaming is he going to be doing? He's going to be falling apart. And then it's just. I remember getting to the point where little Charlie gets kidnapped and then he does his screams and then remembering the disappointment when it's like, <laughs> oh, no, he doesn't go full on. He doesn't go full cage. You know, he just sort of no. like he just gets sad. <laughs> he just gets sad with it. <laughs> which is maybe more realistic i don't know but like yeah it's just a it's a thoroughly underwhelming film until it becomes true like just truly insane <laughs> in the last half hour it's it's so weird when like it's like the frantic meme cage that we sort of know to it to, mm. to a, a certain extent it's almost the one we're conditioned for but when we get like Especially in this period when we get realism, sad cage. It's weird that like realistic mm. emotions. Ugh, I wasn't yeah. ready for that. <laughs> I don't want this. This is disgusting. <laughs> I want him screaming. I want I think, him like crying. Yeah. I mean, this came out like it was around this time seven years ago when this came out, and um, for a real, I mean, quote unquote, a realistic portrayal of a grieving parent. <laughs> no mm. one was ready for it. No one was ready for. <laughs> His his realism, you know, like Sarah Wayne Callis, absolutely fine in this film. Yeah, and Ca- great. And Cage really didn't necessarily do anything wrong, and I think I agree because there's a few films around this period as well in his sort of video on demand DVD era where he mm. could absolutely have gone like just flipped the table and said, "Fuck it, I'm going all in. I'm going like absolute full Cage," and he doesn't do it. Doesn't do and, it. And I was expecting at least to scream at the carnival when Charlie first goes missing. And then it didn't, it didn't happen. And I was like, uh, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah, this whole era. I mean, I haven't really seen, I haven't seen that many from, I mean, I've seen Left Behind, obviously. Everyone's seen Left Behind. I've seen Inconceivable. I think that's about it. Like Dog Eat Dog, I really enjoyed. But that's like an odd one out from the ones that I've just talked about where it's just like, he's just so subdued and like nothing sort of disappears. Like the, the inconceivable one is, is one of the worst, one of the worst performances I've ever seen. He's just shambling around. Could be anyone. But yeah. This <laughs> is just like, like even, even the bit where, you know, he goes, I don't know how, how you want to talk about this film in terms of like plot, I mean, j- feel free to jump in wherever feels right to you. It's my guest's comfort is my number one concern. <laughs> oh, that's very kind. Um, so yeah, the bit that I was like, he should have gone full, 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 full cage is the bit where he finds the secret city of homeless people <laughs> that's hidden in an old warehouse. <laughs> yes. He, b- he bumps into blind Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> down there and it's oh, like hi, Nick. <laughs> yeah hi Nick you hear about pay the ghost like and he gets taken to this wall where it just says pay the ghost pay the ghost over and over and over and over and over again and you're just I was sitting there being like even though I'd seen this before which I now realize like having seen this film twice I've probably seen it more than anyone else on earth now, <laughs> right like 
You're a ghostly scholar at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should get tenure. Yeah, that's a bit like he's looking at that wall with loads of bits of graffiti of like, pay the ghost, pay the ghost, pay the ghost. Why isn't he going down a like, how'd it get burned? How'd it get burned? How'd it get burned? Like, what does pay the ghost mean? What does pay the ghost mean? You know, like, he's just like, pay the ghost. What does that mean? And then the guy's Tommy Wiseau is like, it means pay the ghost. It's like, all right. Walks <laughs> off. <laughs> Done. Yeah, I mean, so, so he, he, he happens to stumble upon this um, abandoned building, <laughs> um, which just has like these CGI black vultures, which are just spoken around throughout the film. These like terrifying, yeah. awfully crafted black CGI vultures. Mm. Um, and then it's blind Tommy Wiseau in this sort of room of other homeless people. And he's meant to be like, I don't know, this kind of like Morpheus like cryptic. Looks like the crypt keeper, like he's supposed to know mm. something, but he doesn't know anything until <laughs> he, until he conveniently knows something when he needs to know something later <laughs> in the film. Um, That's so true. Like when he's down there the first time talking, the Tommy Wiseau never thinks to go like, "Oh yeah, by the way, on on Halloween evening, this whole portal opens up over in that corner, and you can walk into the land of the dead." But like, no, don't you worry. <laughs> bring it. I don't need to bring it up. It's fine. <laughs> Once a year, our wall disappears and the <laughs> realm to a ghostly, spooky, silent hill dimension opens. I'm usually too busy crapping in a bucket in the corner to really pay any attention to it. Um, but it's probably not important. It's probably, you know, the the state doesn't own this building really, so it's it's fine. No. If anything, these vultures come round with their little cricket bats and start asking for rent. <laughs> um, it's it's weird, um, you know. They they squawk. I could have sworn that they squawks. Fucking suck. Fucking suck. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's how the film played out in my head. That's how the vultures made more sense. I know, like, oh, it's symbolism and like the harbingers of death and whatever. And fuck that. Whatever. They're, they're fuckers and suckers. Um, yeah, I agree. And also, fuck that. Fuck symbolism. As I'm saying all the time on my podcast. Show, don't tell. That's for cowards. <laughs> tell, don't show. <laughs> Always tell. What's up with the fucking birds? Like, I'm sick of, like... And also, no one else can see them. And no one else is like... It's weird that there are vultures in New York, right? Like... <laughs> fucking New York. No New York I've ever seen, apart from the aerial shots. <laughs> All fine. I think there should have been at least one New Yorker who... I don't know, and it didn't need to be explained. Like if if the vulture just, I don't know, like almost a high school bully bump, just like shoulder charge this guy, and New Yorkers like mm. we just went to this vulture, you fucking joik. Like at least <laughs> sell me on New York a little bit, you know, give me hey, something. <laughs> hey, I'm squawking here. <laughs> there go. I'm trying to fucking suck over. Trying to fucking suck over. Hey, God. What's the fuck you gotta do to fucking suck a blind man? Oh, Christ. Yeah, so weird. I I love the New York in this film that has, yeah, it has vultures everywhere. Can't get a cab, relatable. Also has, like, a school down by, like, Battery Park where on Halloween they just do, like, Celtic rituals. (laughs) Yeah, there's just absolute <laughs> rituals going down down in like I don't know church or an alley or something. A I don't know. Alley. At the start, like I don't know if I missed it, and they sort of say, because um, again, Cage's character Mike Lawford is a 
professor. I don't know if they mm. said what he is a professor of. I'm assuming all of literature. He's um, he's one of those professors that only turns up in films like I was thinking about it. It's, what is it? It's the film Urban Legend, where there's another professor who just like their whole thing is they're like, this is a course on spook <laughs> and things that kind of lean into the film. And it's just a guy like kind of at the beginning of the Da Vinci Code, where he's just standing in front of like, look at this symbolism in this spooky story. What does this mean? I just don't think you get enough of those in films anymore. The the <laughs> The professors who were just talking about like, Things that are extremely pertinent to the plot, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, th- I kind of thought that his degree, well, his profession or whatever it was, was going to come into play a bit more. But <laughs> at the start, he's just like walking through like the light and in this lecture hall and just giving like a little speech from his book and going and and then Harry Potter pulled his trousers down <laughs> and then. And then he finishes just like with a mic drop moment. Says like, "Halloween's gonna fuck you up," and he gets like a fucking standing applause from like the <laughs> class. And I was like, "That doesn't happen." <laughs> that's that. I was thinking about that whole scene because that's right, right? Because like, yeah, the, his his profession doesn't come into the film whatsoever, other than he knows the woman who, again, inexplicably is extremely knowledgeable about Celtic mythology, but also about ships and archaeology. <laughs> she doesn't, doesn't come into anything. So I feel like his job only exists so that he has access to her. And the fact that it shows that he's sad after his son goes missing and is presumed dead, because you get the juxtaposition between him teaching in the first um, lecture, where he's all like up and animated, and he's doing the whole like... I'm a cool, young, at that point, untenured professor, and here's some cool witchy stuff. But then afterwards, he's just like dead-eyed in a sad room with a blackboard, you know? He's got no PowerPoint <laughs> presentation. He's got no OHP. Yeah. It's just yeah. sad. That happened to one of my lecturers at some point as well, so I don't know. I what, don't that know. kid got stolen by a ghost? <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if his spooking got, was, it was spook-related, <laughs> but the life left their eyes at one point, and then they didn't come back. Um, oh. But yeah, so I mean, sad. exactly what you said. I think, it, I think the professor was called Hannah, and again, it's not explicitly stated what she's a professor of, but oh. she, she just happens to have an in-depth knowledge of Celtic history and Celtic symbolism and know mm. about ships she's like look at this fucking log that's got like a, a half moon carved into it and cage cage is like cool story bro i'm off to go and off to go and hog my wife or something i don't know um yeah i hope so, that comes useful at some point so I hope that mean, ship's cool she is just used for like i guess some leverage and just exposition like well, we need someone to explain this because i don't know what's going on here yeah um, until, you know, and skipping ahead here, until she unceremoniously, and for no real reason, gets yeeted out of a fucking window <laughs> by the ghost. Right? <laughs> that, right, that, that, yeah, that's another thing I didn't understand, because, like, yeah, she gets, she gets kicked out of that window, right? Yeah. And then I thought, there's a scene straight after where, like, Nick Cage and Sarah Wayne Callies, that's the name, right? Sarah Wayne Callies. Yes, yeah, Sarah yeah. Wayne Callies. They're buying... Uh, an ambulance and I thought they were there to pick up his colleague's body what is it Hannah Hannah's body but then the post credit scene is her body lying impaled undiscovered and impaled 
I'm discovered and impaled with the vultures around there. She opens her eyes like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, I, uh... I imagine this was an ambitious play by uh, the director, and hopefully I'm pronouncing this correctly, um, Yulai Idel, Yulai Idel, mm. who seems to be like a, a German, I say seems to be, he is a German <laughs> film and television director. Um, yeah. So a, a lot of German bits and pieces. There was some, I think, a Golden Globe win or nomination in 1997. I didn't look into it, though. It could be a complete lie. It doesn't matter. Um yeah. But I assume that we'd maybe leaving something open for a sequel there, that the, the ghost will continue to steal kids and... Get paid. Steal kids, get paid, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> which was tattooed onto her knuckles, if you looked closely. Steal kids, get paid. <laughs> <laughs> That's what all the ancient ruins mean. Man, this guy directed the Bader-Meinhof complex. That was a fun film. Wow. From that to this. <laughs> He's, uh... Life's rich tapestry. <laughs> and the, the 2014 uh, History Channel miniseries Houdini as well. Who could forget? Mm. Who could um, forget? He, seem, he seems to have, you know, without going through all of his works, um, there's a fair few spooky things in there. He's He's got an mm. interest in the macabre and the dark. Um, mm. That is faux show. And then here he is being delightfully un, unspooky for 90 minutes. <laughs> um there's one I think, thing I will say about this film, it is short. <laughs> it's definitely on... I think I've got to that point now. It, it's not a Nicolas Cage-related thing. I think it's just films in general where it's like, this film's runtime is 90 minutes. I'm like, oh, fuck yes. <laughs> yeah, same, same. Um, and, not, and this is completely off topic, but, but seeing that, like... And I'm not a massive fan of the series by any stretch of the imagination, but only because it's been pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and advertised in cinema so many fucking times. I just want to mm. see it to get it out of my fucking system. The, the, the No Time to Die James Bond film. Seeing that's yeah. nearly three hours, I was like, fuck off. With yeah, that. absolutely. That's, absolutely. That's, that's to pay the ghost's length of, <laughs> of Bond. Do you think you're going to get as much enjoyment as if you had enjoyed Pay the Ghost twice as much as you did? No, I think I'll just probably rent Pay the Ghost again. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't. It's too long. It's too long for a Bond film. It's like the Marvel films creeping up to around three hours is bad enough. But like fucking Bond, like what? What's going to happen? He's going to do an extra car chase? Like, what? It's fine. He fuck, he bangs another woman. Like, what? You know? Like, <laughs> it's not going to meditate on what it is to be human. Not that Pay the Ghost does. <laughs> but maybe it does. <laughs> Meditates on what it is to be a ghost. She needs to get paid. I don't know. I think the ghost... Um, and I sort of noted at the end, the ghost had, like, four different titles, I think. I think it's just called mm. like, The Widow... The ghost, the crone, the crying woman, Annie. Mm. Five, actually. Annie, yeah. <laughs> um, it doesn't settle on just one name. They just throw so many different names out there. Um, yeah, you know, she's lived. She's lived a life. She's been around. She's spooked and dooted. Um, mm. Haunted some things. Um, thrown, thrown, exclusively women around by the looks of this film, because there was the, um, obviously, poor Hannah, Rip, undiscovered and possessed, yeah. impaled, and there was... Um, oh, the medium. Uh, the medium, the psychic as well. Mm. So this was, this was like, I think unintentionally one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I suppose for context, at this point, um, 
this is like a year later. Mike has continued his search for Charlie. He's like, I, I feel like he's still out there. I feel like there's a connection. And Kristen, his wife, played by Sarah Wayne Kelly, says, um, what's happened is she's seen a scooter get possessed and scoot scoot through their house. And she's like, he was right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then one thing leads to another, and eventually they just they just decide on a whim to get a medium um, mm. to to come over. Um, how how did you find uh, the medium scene? He again, just, just dumb, <laughs> like dumb, <laughs> dumb, dumb, dumb. Um, I mean, enjoyed always enjoy a medium getting possessed, picked up, and then burned from the inside. What's that? It's just like, okay, great. So, like, Nick Cage and Sarah Wayne Callies are just, they're going to go to prison. They're going to go to prison because they've invited this woman into the house and now she's dead. Yep. That's that's exactly what happens. <laughs> exactly what happens. And then what? She just looks out the window and is like, oh, some bad stuff out there, and then gets possessed and murdered straight off. Like, there's <laughs> nothing. What did you think? My sort of play of events, like, they, they and I should say, they very calmly come to a decision to hire a sidekick. That, that's like, <laughs> that's true. no prior discussion, like, yes, this makes perfect sense at halfway or through like, the film. Or Nick Kate, uh, what does he say? He says something like, oh, they're charlatans. And then, very quickly, it's just like, well, whatever. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're on my side, so we've got nothing else to lose. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd be interested to know the medium's, you know, hourly rates and what their, mm. what their sort of policy is in the event of death. Which the the New York police, um, according to films, the finest police, are remarkably unfazed about this. Um, Even when she's burned on the inside. Like was... when, they, when they autopsy her, her later and they're like, yeah, it's like she hasn't got any organs. Like, it's like she's been, in, she's internally combusted and they're just like, all right. Yeah, when they did the autopsy <laughs> scene, obviously the guy doing the autopsy, like her mouth opens and then the black smoke comes out and he's just like, and, he's like <laughs> and then he says basically obviously must have said to himself off camera well the only logical thing to do now is to cut your breasts and torso off and have a peek inside mm. you um you know what loser. i was fully expecting there to be a gratuitous tit shot and they didn't do I it was actually i thought there was they were gonna just have a tit didn't just do have it, a tit you know? I'm glad uh, they didn't, but I was fully prepped. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's going to be one of those films. Like, someone's a woman's dead. Here we go. I Some will applaud you, like Udell's restraint on um, a dead tit shot. Yeah, um, well done, buddy. I, <laughs> I think my favorite thing with the psychic, though, is after she comes in and she says something like, oh, you don't find the ghost. You have to bring the ghost to you, or the ghost finds you. <clears> and then mm. she goes to she goes to the window, and then, like, the song to the wall um and then she, <laughs> she, she turns around and says it has all the children um very cryptic and then she gets blasted into the wall picked up strangled by an invisible force and i cannot stress enough right dear listener if you ever watch this film i cannot stress enough how little cage and Callis reacts <laughs> to this they just stand there and look a bit a bit confused as a woman is strangled <laughs> strangled in the air. set on fire internally which you can see like she falls down and she's like fizzling and they're just like oh well this is what happens <laughs> what happens with mediums <laughs> i told you they were fucking charlatans and <laughs> losers um 
It's like, I fucking, I fucking, I can tell you. Um, and then just wheeled off like it's no big deal. She's, she gets about, this medium gets about a minute of screen time. Mm. Um, and 30 seconds of that, she's dead. <laughs> with her tits out. That's it. <laughs> it's, it's such like, oh, I've, I've never seen, I don't know if I've ever seen a character just so, so brazenly thrown around before. I um, know. I don't know. I, I should so quickly. I just shouldn't. I shouldn't have laughed. But this is one of those things. It is kind of like, and I think because one of the issues about the film, isn't it a sort of interesting premise? Sort of, kind of. Maybe that's probably been done a thousand times in different sort of spooky supernatural films. Mm. But the film was so. I found it so boring that I, I. I actually, I think I paused the film like once every twenty, thirty minutes. It was like I'm fucking bored. I did exactly the same thing every like I ended up pausing it yeah I think I paused it twice and both times it was at the sort of yeah that half hour mark segmenting the film into three like not planned I was just like oh for fuck I can't I need to go and (laughs) I need to go and do something I'll go for a little walk (laughs) fuck me yeah it is it is deeply dull and like just there's no stakes whatsoever yeah that was a ghost it's a ghost uh sorry live on a main road or like central main road so i've just closed my window <laughs> hopefully that'll be better no i get it yeah I, I think i think with films like this i find a lot of joy just kind of looking at like oh what's kind of happening in the background and, and like stuff mm. like that and i don't know if you spotted this this is kind of soon after we we sort of cut to one year later and this is when you know mike's still on the like missing child staple to lamp posts and stuff thing yep, and obviously yep. obviously the police in his area are very familiar with him there is detective jordan reynolds played by uh lyric bent greatest name in cinema um it's incredible you've got all these names <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like yeah the cop guy nick i didn't even know nick cage's character name until you said it earlier <laughs> like, <laughs> and you've seen the film twice i've seen the film twice <laughs> it's just nick cage to me uh, it, it's uh. very it's very interchangeable in a lot of films mm. um, but after he storms into like the precinct um, and it's like with a stack of like a thousand flyers and they're like we've still got your flyers from last time and he's and he before he goes into the detective's little cubby hole to start going like you know, what do you actually do and he's, he pulls out his big folder is like and that's you're not even what's on the database if you watch when Cage walks up the stairs like seconds before he goes into the detective's office there's two extras in the background who are cops, and then they they're kind of like hunched and just like nattering like gossips and pointing at him like, oh, it's him again. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's Nick Cage coming back in, and it's like, right. I, I sometimes I get like extras kind of sometimes get away with stuff. Extras can mm. get away with some fucking like you know just absolutely abysmal things. But like your your police officers in the New York PD, the <laughs> NYPD, and you're acting like you've never seen. A victim before something horrendous. <laughs> you're acting like you've never seen this man before who's been coming into your office like for a year straight. You're just pointing, going like, "It's it's the sad dad. He's back. <laughs> He's back again. He's here to talk about. Well, he hasn't even started. He hasn't even started talking about the ghost at that point. But like, oh, what a loser. He keeps coming in here looking for his son. <laughs> Dick. Why doesn't he go off get a life? It's very weird. Yeah, good. That's good to notice. That that's good. I'll watch it a third time. <laughs> this time, I'll watch all the background artists. <laughs> that's that's like where me. the that's where the real meat and potatoes is in a 
in Pay the Ghost. It's it's the background extras so. that really that really make it. Um, especially, but I don't really, I don't really think I don't think the homeless cabal of people, the cabal, did much. Mm. Although, actually, going back to that scene whilst it's on my mind, I think what I enjoyed because this film does. Its idea of horror is jump scares. Um, yeah, and I think when you're probably as disinterested as we were, the heart, the, the jump scares don't really. It's just like I feel nothing, and I have been taking my meds. I don't. I just don't. I just don't. <laughs> I just don't feel it. Um, I'm extremely numb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's that bit where he's talking to, as we were saying earlier, he's talking to like blind Tommy Wiseau, and he's mm. like, uh, "Have you seen my son? How's <laughs> your sex life?" And then you sort of see. <laughs> the ghost like kind of like manifesting from the shadows behind and it kind of is like over his shoulder he sees teeth and it goes yeah he kind of just like huffs cage and i was mm, like mm, mm. why are you sniffing him why why are you <laughs> like you you've, you clearly acknowledge <laughs> that this man is a threat to your fucking enterprise and you're giving him mm. a little sniff and he doesn't know that you're there it's just sniffing out just yeah getting a handle yeah, God, it's so true that it just all it has is really lame jump scares. Like the like the chip pan fire at one point is just <laughs> yes, I really enjoyed when, that. When Nick Cage is going around, he's talking to other parents of kids who've gone missing, and he talks to obviously a haunted heroin father. He's just like, <laughs> "Give me some money. I need smack so that I forget about my dead son daughter." Either one. And then also goes to a restaurant owner where it's like, oh, my kid said, save me from the ghost at one point. Yeah, it's it's the detective who goes to the restaurant to speak to the mother. Um, oh, is it the detective? And th- I think mm. this is this is shortly after obviously Cage has like had a go at him and is like, yeah, you're right. Maybe I could do more, even though I've actually <laughs> yes. quite reasonably justified why I'm doing as much as I can within the limits and confines of the law. Mm. Um so he speaks to the mother, and I think she says, like, oh, there was something spooky going on. It was something about paying the ghost. And then that massive chip fan pan fire burst <laughs> out. And then it's, again, another amazing extra who just fucking right hooks it with a tea towel. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think about, it. yeah, like, because that, I, I, it's the first time I've seen a chip pan fire since Home Ec in like year nine, I think. <laughs> and going through the steps of like what to do like don't overfill chip pan don't i've never used one in my life but it's also good to add like you know don't overfill it don't leave it unattended don't mention the ghost <laughs> and then if it sets on fire use a wet towel and right hook it it's nice it's nice to finally get that education back adopt oh, the me. orthodox fighting position with a sort of <laughs> chip pan yes. just fucking sock it <laughs> um you said something earlier that made me want to talk so yeah you laughed during the during the medium scene yes now yeah on truly happily madison i make meticulous lists of every time i laugh and i found i mean they're meant to be comedy films this one is not but i found that i couldn't stop myself from making a list of all the times <laughs> i laughed in this film as well Ooh, let's divorce. did you laugh any more times um, psychic medium, mm. chip pan fire. Um, mm. there, I, f- I feel like it wasn't as big a laugh, but there was. There, actually, no. There, there, there was two. There was one sort of at the start. This is 
when Charlie's just gone missing, and obviously he's, he's running around, as we've said, in his cowboy costume, because Halloween, he does not just wear a cowboy costume for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's that, you might remember that really fucking disinterested cop that he speaks to. Oh, yeah! And he's <laughs> like, oh, fucking, like, is he, did he, did, did he go home? Like, yeah. Yeah. As he got a phone, and Cage just shouts in his face, he's seven years old, he doesn't have a phone! Um, <laughs> but he does have an iPad, though, so... Shit, yeah, it's true. So that Don't one to believe. got me. Um, mm. And then, this is right at the end when Cage has... When, basically, they've figured out what's going on with all um, the Celtic symbolism, and they've, he's figured out that mm. the painting the ghost wall is the wall to Silent Hill... He crosses that stupidly long metal bridge to go to the ghost's cabin. Yeah, the, the, the cellar of the cabin is just full of like fucking dead kids, just like, <laughs> just like looking. And he and he's and Cage, completely unfazed by thousands of dead children, just goes like Charlie. And they yeah, all like raise their hands. But and I was like, he's 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 not selling this at all. Like the no. the, the, the the fucking gravity of like a. Thousand dead kids. That's traumatifying as a word I'm making up now. Mm. But it's when he when he finds Charlie and subsequently um, spooky heroin dad's kid and like the the restaurant owner's kid as well because they just mm. like spook him. Like, can we come with as well? And Cage's like, oh, I guess. It's when he touches yeah. them, they turn. They slowly seep from grayscale back to color. And I was like, no, fuck no. off. That's not- <laughs> It's like, I realise this is not my universe, but I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> you've you've been literally... Because they say you've got literally a year to find the kids. Like, if it's any longer than a year, you can't come back. Mm. So you've got, basically, you've got one shot to do it. So, And obviously, they, you know, because film, they just, just make it out as the wall just closes behind it. them. So really, they've been spooky dead boys and girls for like 364 days, 23 hours, 59 minutes, and 55 seconds, really. Cutting it real close. Yeah. Um, and then they just fall back of colour again. No, doubt. Press X to <laughs> doubt. <laughs> press X to doubt. Oh, another um, great video game. What, yeah, it's... What are your laughs? Oh, what have I got? I've got... <laughs> uh... The first one, the first one, yeah, is when they're at the carnival and he's like, I'm going to get you ice cream. And then the kid, Charlie, just looks up and goes like, Dad, can we pay the ghost? And Nick just looks down and is like, pay the what? And then he's just gone. <laughs> he's gone. I just, I like that a lot because I forgot that he said pay the ghost in the film. Very exciting. Uh, the second one was when he meets up with his colleague Hannah after the kid has gone missing and they're just like sitting down for a coffee and then she just goes like I mean these these laughs don't they're not <laughs> they're not really to do with anything that's being said it's just like her being like oh how are you holding up and me thinking like is this every conversation that these two have at this point it's just like every conversation is just like let's talk about your dead kid let's do they talk about anything else or is it just like, yeah, no, everything's terrible. Kids gone missing. You don't seem like yourself. Like, no, my kid's fucking missing. Do you know? Like, <laughs> it kind of goes back to how she doesn't really have a character other than like, she knows things and she's concerned. Um, uh, I think that was it. Oh no, one more, which was like a full big laugh, which is like climax of the film. 
he's got the kids back from the Pleasantville universe. He's turned them color and then he's running back across the bridge. Um, all the other child ghosts, he, he's getting strangled by the, by the witch and then yeeted off back towards the real world. But then all the child ghosts decide to come and like Avengers assemble around him, around, yes. around the ghost. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> Keep her at bay. And then that happens. And then there's a bit like the kids run away. Oh, they run across the bridge. They all get home safe. Even though like, there's a nice bit where like, oh, it looks like Nick Cage and his son are dead, but no, they've, they're hanging down and then they get up and then they cross the divide and then the wall like sploops back up <laughs> into place and hides the door, hides the portal into the netherworld. And then like all that has happened and Nick Cage is just like, well, oh, let's go home. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just such an anticlimax. It's just like, well... I mean, I get it. I get it. it. You'd have that in most films of like, oh, nice catharsis. But it's just so weird and incongruous with everything that's just happened. Oh, yeah, that's that's so true. It is. It's such an anticlimactic ending mm. because I, I I think I enjoyed as well. I think it's you know it's just before the ghost kids decide that they're gonna strike um, because they mm. don't like basement dwelling when they're having that. <laughs> They're having that little scrap on the bridge. It's like Cage versus Crone, um, and it's it's always that camera thing where you sort of see like the floor, but you just see like the feet just lift off. So you know mm. they're like, "Ooh, they're not on the ground anymore." One of them's spooky strong, and he gets like just like rhino charged across the bridge, and he's just thrown yeah, about yeah. five thousand miles, and <laughs> he's in the air getting strangled. And I think it's like, is it is it Charlie or one of the kids? He just turns to the ghost because apparently he's built a camaraderie with them. And he's like, mm. come on, guys. And they're like, yeah. and they do a spooky little kid vortex. <laughs> it's, it's so strange. Like, also, they're going to have to live with that afterwards. Like, are you telling me the ghost crone crying woman isn't going to be like, oh, you kids. Also, why is she keeping them in the basement? What is she doing with them? I think there was that shot, I think, right at the start of the film, and it was like the three kids in the basement. So I think she's keeping them where she last had them. Yeah. Before. I think there was that being where they're all kind of like spooking and dancing in the alleyway with like the Celtic, uh, mm. I don't know, the, the, the Celtic <laughs> country dancers, the Celtic Morris dancers. Yeah. Um, And they there's all that exposition. But, you know, it's... um jolly because she says it with a smile um she's like oh she was a little bit different so uh you know they they burn her <laughs> life life oh, yeah. what was it like um so she's as a vengeance she's been stealing kids three children specifically to replace her <laughs> own three for the last 300 years but you've got you've got you know we've we've run the numbers you've got a thousand and five kids you got a thousand fucking kids down there man what are you like, doing with them? A thousand and two now. Also, the crone is still at large. She can come back and get Charlie whenever she wants. Next yeah. year. Didn't think about that. Yeah, I mean, the vultures. And considering they get like attacked by like a flock of vultures in that taxi as well, you know, they do very little to defend themselves from vultures. New mm. York is not a vulture-proof city. <laughs> no. Um, so uh, Someone needs I to do something about that. Who's mayor now? Don't know. Uh, Giuliani probably 
Mayor of New York. New York Mayor. Who is that? Uh, Bill de Blasio. Right. If anyone's got contact information for <laughs> Bill, more like Bill de Blase about vultures, am I fucking hey, right? You're fucking uh, right, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he's 60 years old, so I think that's the perfect time to start vulture-proofing your... Uh, Vulture-proofing your city. Um, yeah, vulture-proof your city. He's also probably terrified of ghosts at 60. I don't think I'd he's actually... He's not tweeted since the 7th of July, but he did say... Um, it's something he was endorsing some of the candidate, but looking forward to all you will do for the people of New York City. A vulture proof. <laughs> vulture proof. You know, we've we've crunched the numbers and kids are getting abducted at an alarming rate on Halloween. <laughs> and they're never turning up again. And you're, oh, these these cases are going colder than a cold thing. Colder than a squirrel ice cream sprinkles on the floor. Yeah. Nice. That's good. Yeah. That's so, election-winning patter right there. He's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna smash it. I, I know how to speak to the people. <laughs> I think, I think that's the secret. You've just got to be the craziest candidate, and you're like, this guy, this guy is fucking. He knows this guy, shit. what the fuck's going on. Yeah, exactly. Yes, have you? You know, the pictures in New York vultures. <laughs> <laughs> Just that's it. New York semicolon. <laughs> New York semicolon vultures question mark. No vultures. That's what I stand on. Sick of them. <laughs> I, Hi, my name's Daryl Edge from the game. <laughs> Are you sick of vultures stealing your boys? I will, I will provide you with an anti-boy stealing vulture net. <laughs> Don't worry, don't, yeah, pay me, I will pay the ghost on all our behalves. With money, not boys or girls, it's fine. Keep your kids safe, keep the NYPD free from having to look up these stolen kids. It's all fine, don't look into it too much. <laughs> Vote for me. Look to camera, wink. <laughs> oh, that's another line I loved, but it wasn't quite a line. I mean, it wasn't quite a laugh. A line I love, but it wasn't quite a laugh, which is when the professor friend has been looking into all the all the um, cultic shit, and then she just delivers this monologue where it, like, it perfectly elucidates the entire storyline of like what's happening, and then it ends with, like, oh, with her final breath, she said she'd return every year to take three children, and then she just goes, like, that's all the information I have! And it's like, thanks! <laughs> I mean, that's that's the whole film! You've told us the entire plot. That's all the information I have. It's Don't worry. It's the entire plot. That's all it is. <laughs> the entire plot. Um, it's all the information I have. Um, so <laughs> if, if you're wondering if it sounded like there's a bit of a jump cut there, um, <laughs> I didn't have to go to deal with a medical emergency in the house at all. So don't don't ask questions. Uh, vote for the mayor of New York and other <laughs> great bits that we were talking about. You really shouldn't have. It's <laughs> such great stuff. You shouldn't have invited that medium in. Now you're gonna have to explain to the police why she's all burned up inside. I know. Awkward. I've got, I've got a crispy medium um, <laughs> on, on the top floor. Um, there's a vulture pecking at the window. Um, there's a child dressed as a pirate for some reason. It's all fine. And you might be asking, Daryl, where's your boy? It's like the goat. The ghost. <laughs> ghost. So I, feel... I paid the ghost. It's all fine. I know. It turns out ghosts accept neither Dubloon nor American Express. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so I think I think it's fair to say that this film was an absolute rotten tomato ten percenter. <laughs> Um, it's terrible. Yeah, I gave it. I gave it two stars. I think I just, I've kept it. I gave it two stars the first time I watched it, and I kept it two stars mostly because I couldn't be fucked to engage <laughs> my brain and think about like what I actually thought about it, other than like terrible two stars. But like it is, I think it's because it's not. It's not as bad as my single my single one star Nick Cage film that I've seen so far. Inconceivable. It's just like is just deranged nonsense of like and he's just not present there at all he's just he's such a nothing whereas in this like you get a bit you get a bit of acting and i know he's not the main event but he is he is the main event to me and to you to to all of us listening to this pod obviously i I love how the benchmark of cage films for you is now inconceivable is this better or worse (laughs) then I mean, like, <laughs> according to Rotten Tomatoes, though, this is worse. Pay the Ghost is worse. The Inconceivable has 31%. This and oh, Pay the Ghost has 10%. Um, I can't wait to listen to your episode about Inconceivable. Like, <laughs> it's just... Well, the consensus here is this, this takes a, a weak stab at supernatural horror, but ultimately it's only viewers who will pay for watching this sloppily assembled picture. Um, yeah, and I saw this <sighs> solid. I saw this other review by again. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing this correctly. Uh, Brian Talarico for RogerEbert.com declared mm. it, and I quote: "A new low for Nicolas Cage." <laughs> uh, branded the movie a lazy, boring retread of Insidious. Um, mm. So it allegedly, according to one website, made around 2.2 million at the box office and about 1.5 million in domestic video sales. On the dudes mm. and the blue ruse, um, and if you so will, I also saw as well that Cage said, Cage said his approach to this film. Um, he cited the naturalistic approaches of seventies classics like The Exorcist and The Omen as, and I quote, mm. models for his cinema verite style of acting. Um, mm. He said this was intentional so that his collision with the ghost would be more shocking. Um, I hope that came across, and he said that the role was offered to him. And it was he felt it was like un, uh, unlike anything he'd ever done before, and something he could give an eclectic quality to. None of which came across. <laughs> none of that. None film. of that translated through. Shocking when he. Oh, I can't believe he was going for shocking when the ghost confronts him. It just looks like he's confused. Like, <laughs> and I get it. You would be confused if a ghost strangled you, but also like, <laughs> he just looks. He just looked, yeah, he's he's like a an old general who's wandered out of the home and has found themselves in like a Tesla showroom. You know, like <laughs> they have no idea what's going on. It's like that bit, it's like that bit in Shawshank Redemption where Brooks gets let out and he sees cars for the first time. It's that kind yeah. of thing. Like it's He's driven by that monstrous urge to fuck and so he kills himself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> oh, it's so weird also, because what What's the term that Nick Cage uses for his usual acting? Is um, it like shamanic or something? Uh, nouveau shamanic. Nouveau shamanic. Yeah. Like, go back to that, man. Like, I want to <laughs> see... I want to see Nick Cage from, like... Yeah, from... from maybe not Conair, but, like... Mandy or Vampire's Kiss deal with... Deal with losing, a ch- like, a child. 
Like, what if you get Mandy felt Mandy, but pay the ghost? Perfect. Pay the Mandy. Pay the <laughs> pay the Mandy. Oh, ten out of ten would pay to see that. More than two pound fifty, or how much we pay. <laughs> so my God! So I suppose your ideal solution would just be put different Nick Cage characters into Pay the Ghost, like a battle yeah. royale of Nicholas Cage characters, but exclusively for Pay the Ghost. Oh my um, God! And see which one yeah. is worthy of boy. Um, you um, know what? Yeah, like one thing I really hate. I mean, this has come up on. Truly Happily Madison a few times, but I really fucking hate what they called like property film, like um, Ready Player One. I really like, or like Space Jam Legacy, where they just jam a load of like, oh, it's references. You remember this? This is a good thing in a shit film sort of thing. (laughs) But I would 100% love, yeah, if there's a film that's like Ready Player Cage and it's just like, a guy in a video game, but everyone is playing a different Nicolas Cage performance. I mean, you know? that is basically the unbearable weight of massive talent that's coming out next year. Is that what that's going to be? Yeah, it's... it's oh. uh, Cage stars as a fictional version of himself. Uh, Pedro Pascal is like a, a drug lord or something, a billionaire drug lord, super fan. Uh, Nick has to play like his iconic roles and work with the FBI to sort of bring him down. Um, so this is right. this is basically everything that Cage fans have been waiting for. This is <laughs> this is going to be the culmination of a few big things. Holy shit. So, so Holy shit. I think really what we've worked out here is that your ideal version of Pay the Ghost is the unbearable weight of massive talent that's not yet been released. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But also with ghosts, because I do like ghosts. <laughs> the unbearable weight of massive ghosts. <laughs> Ten out of ten would pay to see it. <laughs> That's the other thing, right? Actually, this film I should mention. So on Letterboxd, I have, I have one sort of criteria, which guarantees a five star rating, and that is if the film has ghosts in it. And now I think this is the only film that has failed to hit that height, or like to to meet that criteria. Like this is a film with a fuckload of one ghost in it. And it's still only two stars. It's just, it's so sad. It's a film that, for your criteria, could not lose, but got it all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's so sad. That's really upsetting. Mr. Sitter. Yeah, I know. That's really upsetting. Um, One thing I also enjoy tracking, so I've realised that I actually have that much to say more, more about this, apart from this one thing, which is I really enjoy tracking Nicolas Cage's hair through films <laughs> yes i don't know about you oh i love it i love it <laughs> he's got sort of normal hair in this right like this this is kind of a weird transition and i will sort of abbreviate this with well not abbreviate um i used a big mm. word because i thought it sounded right and realized it wasn't <laughs> i lost confidence um yeah i've joked about this in a previous episode but now to the point i'm considering foolishly doing this maybe like um for this podcast when it all comes to an end and when there's either there's no more cage films ever because he's in moon prison or <laughs> I've just caught up um to do like yeah. a sort of placeholder ending episode which is the the cage hair awards and rank his hair from every single film that he's done yeah love um, that love that there's a lot of films around this time where his hair is exactly the same 
and this is this is that period of just like the same cage hair it's just backwards mm. you can't quite tell if it's like hair electrolysis or a wig or something mm. it probably is um but these these are the que- these are the questions that only i am asking um <laughs> no, i ask them i ask them every film <laughs> every film is this a wig is this not and this one i'm like so yeah That's i've seen other ones right there is this wig? <laughs> what is, is this a, is this wig <laughs> could be i assume everyone's wearing a wig like i go deep on which hollywood stars are bald like fucking loads of them <laughs> nick cage is one who's been bald since he was like 25 right basically and like even in raising arizona he's losing his hair while at heart he basically doesn't have any um but yeah, I noticed around this period, like, again, left behind, inconceivable. He kind of, he normally has a lot of, like, hairspray that blows the back out and makes him look a bit like, or in Next is the big one where, you know, he has that hair that looks like an eagle that's on his head that's just, like, splayed out. Oh, yes. Whereas this, it's a bit flatter to his head and seems a bit more like he's just brushed it back, you know, which I respect. Yeah, he's, he's his hair's kind of weird. It's kind of like... If you had the position of hair on the head of like the normal human being, but if you made, <laughs> if you made a conscious decision, what if I just slope this back forty five degrees and just <laughs> just let it happen? Just let that go. <laughs> uh, listeners who can't see, you must know that I am a bald man, and hence that is why <laughs> that's why I'm extremely interested by actors' hair and which male actors are bald. <clears throat> Matthew McConaughey, but that's for another. Time. That's another pod. That's for yeah. Is it wig? <laughs> the spin-off podcast of ha- Truly Happily Madison. Is it wig? <laughs> is it wig? Um, so so I mean your your podcasting interests are hair. So you're you're interested in <laughs> you know interested in sort of searching for the things that you don't have. I mean for me it would be yes. like, is it father? Um, so- <laughs> Fucking. <hell. laughs> Hashtag trauma. Um, oh, we love it. We 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 love trauma here. We celebrate we it. We, we celebrate do. lost boys, lost hair, and lost dads, and not necessarily <laughs> in that order. Um, <laughs> the holy trifecta: boy, dad, yeah. hair. Um, boy, dad, hair. The trifecta of sadness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, I think on that absolutely emotionally devastating bombshell. <laughs> It's probably time to start wrapping uh, this episode up. So to to Mm. wrap things up, um, and obviously once again, Josh Pappenheim, thank you so much for joining me to pay the ghost on this one. I guess in closing, what are your sort of final thoughts on uh, 2015's Spookfest, Pay the Ghost? Um, (laughs) Final thoughts. Final, final, final thoughts. Don't, don't watch it. Don't don't watch Pay the Ghost. Um, or if you have, I'm sorry. Like to prepare for this, to listen to this episode, I'm sorry. That's time you won't get back, but at least it's short. Um, uh, it's it's good, is it? No, it's not good. I can't say that. It's a film. It's time. It's time. And it happens to you. Nick Cage is there for a while. There's some jump scares. There's some burned people. There's no tits, and that's good. And. <laughs> Vote for Bill de Blasio, no more vultures in New York City. <laughs> That's basically how I feel. How about you? 
uh, vote for Bill de Blase about Vulture's <laughs> New York semicolon <laughs> Vulture's question mark, yes, exclamation mark. Not in my city, uh, no. semicolon, apostrophe, sad bracket. Um, <laughs> so join the campaign, Tw- tweet at Bill de Blasio on Twitter to protect New York <laughs> from Vulture's. <laughs> even if you've not from or have never been there, um, and don't bother paying the ghost, um, just just let him take you, boy. You'll be a bit better for it. Um, yeah. So on that rambling note, to end the podcast, uh, Josh Pappenheim, uh, where can we find you on the socials and other such things? Oh yeah, on the socials. Well, if you want to find me personally on twitter instagram letterboxd it's at p-a-p-s-b-y at p-a-p-s-b-y that's at papsby um rhymes with gatsby but i'm not allowed to say that on my own podcast which is uh truly happily madison which you can find on all good podcasting places come and have a listen to two boys losing their minds well actually no i lose my mind jack is normally sane just watching Films that Adam, not even films that Adam Sandler's in, Adam Sandler's produced. Um, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Is there enthusiasm? Sometimes. But yeah, good stuff. Especially <laughs> listen to Bucky Larson, Born to be a Star. Good, good. Because I'm in it. Yay. Because you're in it, buddy. And uh, don't forget, is it wig coming? <laughs> is it wig coming? 2022. 2020 question mark. Is it wig coming? <laughs> uh, Josh Pappenheim gets to the bottom of Hollywood's greatest question. Is it wig? <laughs> yes. And then season two, is it wig? Well, it's, is it Christian wig or not? <laughs> and the answer is usually, yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> usually, yes. The answer is usually, yes, Christian wig. Um, <laughs> so... So we come to the end of this episode of Pay the Ghost. I once again thank uh, this week's guest, Josh Pappenheim, for joining me. It's been an absolute privilege and a pleasure. We will see you in the next one. But until then, keep on, keep on caging. It's all you have to do. Thank you, take care, and goodbye. Goodbye.